Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. It's Friday, October the 13th, 2023. Episode number 242 is coming at you. Friday the 13th, are we supposed to be scared? I don't think so. I think it's just a number. I think it's just Friday the 13th. I think it's fun that people still get a kick out of, you know, Friday the 13th and ghosts and goblins and all that fun stuff as we start getting ready for Halloween. Thank you to Haley for the introduction. I want to start off this week by talking about Maddie Beland. Matt Beland is going to run 100 miles in 24 hours to raise money and awareness to back on track. 100 miles. That is a lot. I can't imagine running that far. I mean, I, I put in perspective from Oklahoma City to Tulsa, Oklahoma is 100 miles. Well, if you drive it in a car, it's usually about an hour and a half, you know, to get from one end of the turnpike to the other. So I cannot imagine running that. I've, you know, I've tra- traveled up and down that road many times with my dad. I used to race bicycles before I raced uh, motocross and before I raced flat track. And we would go to Tulsa, Oklahoma quite a bit actually to jinx oklahoma and race bicycles up there uh, on saturday nights and i remember you know we could get there in a little under an hour and a half if if you wanted to put the hammer down and and really go fast and now they've raised the speed limit a little bit so i think an hour and 15 hour and 25 minutes somewhere around there is about what it takes to get there but i cannot imagine running it on foot so uh, my hat's off tip of the cap, whatever you want to say to Matt Beland. I used to call him Matty Beland when he was racing, but um, the reason he's doing it is a couple of different reasons, but he uh, received help from back on track after a crash at Laconia when he broke his back and some ribs at, at, at that incident. So he healed from that. And then after his recovery, he was actually diagnosed with cancer and he beat that. But after all that happened, then he's decided to push himself mentally and physically more than ever. After three years of training, he is ready for this next challenge. He's going to run 100 miles across the state of Massachusetts, and he is planning on doing it this weekend, October the 14th and 15th, as he will trek across Massachusetts. Reading their post, it says, we invite you to join us by supporting Matt's incredible trek. By contributing whatever amount you can, big or small, together we can make a significant impact on the lives of these racers who are facing immense challenges. Not only will your donation provide financial assistance for medical expenses and rehabilitation, but it will also serve as a powerful symbol of solidarity within our community. Together, we can show that no one fights alone. We stand strong together. Thank you for your generosity, compassion, and unwavering support as we help make a difference. Anyway, so if you want to help out, uh, the link that I was sent is rookiesof79.square, S-Q-U-A-R-E dot site, S-I-T-E, rookiesof79.square dot site. You can donate a small amount, you can donate a big amount, but everything helps. And man, good luck, Matt. You, you got this. You can do this. And uh, what you're doing is amazing. And uh, you've got a lot of courage and good luck. Stay strong. Just don't overdo it, but man, we're uh, we're all counting on you and, and have some fun. Switching gears, the rules for 2024 came out a couple of days ago. I believe it came out earlier this week. Uh, the first one that stuck out to me is one millimeter restrictor change for the Indians. So it's going to sound like they're going back to the 34 millimeter like they had at the start of the season before they made that West Coast swing. So it, it sounds like exactly what they had before. Uh, Jared Meese showed that he could win with with the restrictor and you know with that 
34 millimeter restrictor and what they had uh, at the end of the season. I think they went to 33. So it can still happen. I, I just think they're they're trying hard to slow the Indians down. But I don't know about that. I think, you know, Jared Meese is pretty much the only Indian that's that's doing it. So are they just trying to slow Jared down? But in, in turn, they're slowing down everybody else that's riding an Indian as well. So I don't know about that rule. Um, I don't know. I, I, I got... I'm on both sides of the fence. I mean, I see what they're doing. It's a purpose-built flat track bike. They're trying to get more brands involved. I understand. Um, but it's just, you know, it's it's hard to penalize somebody who made the perfect motorcycle. In the Super Twins, production-based bikes, they must weigh 310 pounds. That was highlighted in red. Uh, here's some number changes uh, announcements. Stylized numbers are allowed. However, the numbers must be solid and have no outlining and cannot overlap. Numbers must be black with no Pantone, and the number plate cannot be louvered or perforated. The design dimensional area for number and mandatory display of series and or class logos must remain smooth and legible. So I've got a couple of different stances on this. Um, I like how they can use different fonts, you know, like we'll go with Dale Earnhardt, that three. Everybody knew when they saw that three that that was Dale Earnhardt. I don't know that... The color matters that much as an announcer. You know, when I do races without uh, transponders, when I'm standing outside and when they're hand scoring, it's a lot different. Uh, there was somebody running a, a day glow yellow number plate over in England. I didn't know who the heck it was. I could not read it. So I get that. I think it has to be legible. And then you got to think about people that are sitting in the audience. Think, think, think about the people that are sitting way up at the top of the grandstands, it's hard to see some of those numbers, you know. Uh, some of them just kind of blend into each other if they're too close together. I think they need to be spaced out a little bit. Uh, that's probably why they're not doing the overlapping stuff. But, you know, as a, as a an announcer that has the benefit of having the timing and scoring, you know, the, the transponders and the timing and scoring right here in front of me, it's easy. But, like, for amateur riders... You know, I would suggest making those numbers as clear as possible. That way you get scored properly. It's easier on the people that hand score everything. But also think about the fans. You know, I know that you're trying to create a, a brand or an image for yourself. But think about the, think about the big picture. Uh, think about the people in the stands. They might not know who you are. So make that number as legible as possible. Uh, make it as easy as possible for the fans to know who you are. So I'm on both sides of the deal. I still like the the old school uh, font, you know, that they only offered you a few different fonts. But at the same time, I like it where, you know, everybody knows Nikki Hayden's 69. Everybody knows Valentino Rossi's number 46, you know, and it's just the font kind of goes with your brand, but just make it eligible for people up in the grandstands. So I'll get off my little soapbox on that one. One more rule from the AFT, production engines cannot see exceed 800 cc's. Last year, or the 2023 season, it was 900 cc's. So basically the 890 Super Duke KTM will not be allowed. Anything bigger than 800 will not be allowed. So uh, the folks that had the 890s, you know, you have to sell them. So use the 790s. I was told that they bolt straight up to the same bolt pattern that the 890s did. So not a huge change there. 
Uh, let's change gears real quick and talk about Shell Hammers up in Pennsylvania. They raced on Sunday, and it was the Ryan Varnes Memorial Race. is the only one I really have results for. It was Corey Texter, the retired racer, taking the win. Dan Bromley riding a Honda was second. Braden Fanders, an up-and-comer, getting ready to turn pro. He was third. And I was told it was a great race between all three riders. Braden Fanders actually had to come from the back after falling down, getting a restart, and he still got all the way up to the third spot. And I said Dan Bromley was on a Honda, and that kind of goes back to last week's you know podcast and, and some posts last week that Al Lamb, Dallas Honda, teaming up with Vincent Construction, building Honda Twins for next year. Well... Kind of sounds like Dan Bromley is going to be riding red and possibly will be on those twins. Haven't seen any formal announcements yet, but uh, that's kind of what I'm reading in between the lines on all that stuff. Thanks to Sammy Sabedra for the update on Shell Hammers. Well, let's switch gears and talk about RPM. They were supposed to race last weekend at Goshen, Indiana. When the podcast came out last week, they had already changed it from Saturday to a Sunday race. Well, Mother Nature just did not cooperate, and that race was canceled. And they're racing this weekend at Lima, Ohio, at the Allen County Fairgrounds, where the Lima Half Mile National is the last weekend of June. But this this year, or this weekend, it's an RPM race, and they've already moved that race to Sunday due to weather as well. And they're going to try something different. They're going to try a twins-only class. The uh, In the past, they've ran twins and the singles mixed together. I think that works good on some tracks. I think it's more beneficial on some tracks to ride a twin than it is a single Probably with a deep cushion, I think a twin would go better. Uh, just looking at times and think about the times from the last time we were at Lima. Uh, so we're going to try twins only class at Lima. And it's open to all twins, including hooligans. Uh, that, that'll be interesting to see. And it's just a little test run to see if that will be a, a new class for them for next season. I did look and count up. They're doing 15 classes running at Lima. So basically there's a class for everyone. So if you, if you want some more racing... This weekend, Lima, Ohio, on Sunday, is where to go. Let's shift gears one more time. Craig Delansky Racing was over at I-70 Speedway just outside Kansas City last weekend. And from what I, what I was told, the track was perfect. Bronson Bauman, get out the broom. He cleaned house, winning all three classes. He rode the KTM Twin in the Big Twins class, a 450 DTX bike. In uh, the modern class and the old Rotax, the uh, trusty Rotax in the other singles pro class. So he won all three classes on three different bikes. Did he even have a chance to sit down or take a drink? I'm not even sure, but uh, he had the clean sweep and took home a lot of money. I heard it was about $4,500 after you win all three classes. So the only other thing I heard is about 30 bikes showed up, so just about the same amount of riders, maybe a few less that were at Knoxville, Iowa a few weeks ago when I was up there. But it uh, sounds like a perfect track, and congratulations to Craig Delansky Racing for putting on a, a really good event at I-70 Speedway, and congrats to Brombo with the clean sweep. I'll shift gears one more time. Last weekend, I was at Everett, Washington for round number one of the IRC Enduro Cross. And that's a fun little series. It's only six races. It's in five different cities. Uh, they're usually Saturday night only. In one particular uh, city we go to, it's going to be a doubleheader. They will do a Friday night, Saturday night race. But all the rest of them are just Saturday nights. Uh, the amateur qualifying and their heat races are earlier in the afternoons, as well as the expert qualifiers to get ready for showtime, which starts at 7 o'clock. 
They kick off the show with opening ceremonies. That's usually me on the floor. And then we get going with our expert main event. And what's different about this series than Flat Track is out of the expert main, they'll take the top six riders. How they finish that expert main event will move on into the pro class. So that's a little bit different. So everybody's racing really hard in the first race of the night, which gets the crowd going. Right after that first race, they go into the pro riders, which is the top 10 from last year in the point standings. They will all line up one at a time and go out for a hot lap. And that will give them their starting spot for moto number one. The other classes that run their main events after the 7 o'clock showtime are the vet class, you know, riders over uh, 30. There's a novice class, intermediate class, a juniors class, a club class, which is made for people that don't necessarily run the, in the entire series. You know, it's like club riders, like local trail riders that want to give it a shot out here at Enduro Cross. So that's the club class. We don't have that at every round we go to, but they did have it out there at Everett, Washington. There's also a women's pro class, which they get to pop the champagne bottles, just like the men's pro class. And then, like I said, the pro class running three motos. So moto number one is how you finish your hot lap. Moto number two, they invert the field from how you finish moto number one. So if you got last in the first moto, you start first pick on the gate from moto number two and so forth. And then moto number three, they'll line up as to how you finish moto number two. At the end of the night, they add up all the points from Moto 1, Moto 2, and Moto 3. The rider with the lowest points total will be the overall winner. Second lowest point total will be second, and so on. Uh, what I like about this series is there are riders from around the world. Not only the United States, but England, Canada, Poland, Germany, and Australia. Just to name some of the... That's just in the pro class. That's just the ones I pulled off the top of my head. But there are some very fast riders. In moto number one, it was Johnny Walker, who's your defending series champ. He's riding a beta two-stroke. He took the win and was also fast qualifier, so he was on the pole of moto number one. When he got into the lead, he was long gone. Tristan Hart almost won the championship last year. He would finish second in the first moto. He's on the, the Red Bull KTM team. Colton Haker is a five-time five champ. He rides for Rockstar Husqvarna. He was third. Taddy Blazuziak from Poland, also a five-time champion in Enduro Cross. He finished fourth, and Ryder LeBlond aboard the Rockstar Husqvarna would be fifth. In moto number two, it was Johnny Walker again, so he's got the clean sweep going. Cody Webb was second. He switched on over to a 300cc two-stroke motorcycle this year because he said, hey, man, it's just more fun. <laughs> and I like that attitude. That's kind of cool. Ryder LeBlond would be third. Max Gersten, the cowboy, was fourth, and Tristan Hart would be fifth. In moto number three, Johnny Walker would complete the, the full-on sweep. Johnny Walker would win all three motos and take the overall. Colton Haker was second in moto number three. Cody Webb was third. Ryder LeBlanc fourth. And Cooper Abbott, Destry's, Destry Abbott's son, would be fifth in moto number three. So the overall big picture, Johnny Walker wins the opening round there in Everett, Washington. Cody Webb was second. Ryder LeBlanc third. Colton Haker fourth. And Tristan Hart was fifth. I'll switch gears one more time. There's not a lot of racing going on, and I actually get the weekend off this weekend, so I'm going to go to an Oklahoma State Cowboys game with my daughter Haley. And we've never been to a game together up in Stillwater. We went to, uh, I think it was a Big 12 championship game down in Arlington, Texas, when they played where the Dallas Cowboys play. But we've never been to a, a home Oklahoma State game, so I'm excited to do that tomorrow on Saturday. 
and just enjoy myself. Take a few days off to decompress a little bit, and then next weekend I'll head to Prescott, Arizona, Prescott Valley, Arizona, just north of Phoenix, about an hour and a half for round number two of the Enduro Cross Series, and then just get ready for some more stuff happening in the winter. Uh, not a lot of flat track racing going on, you know, right now. So again, I'll be trying to get dialed in and try to figure out how to get guests back on the podcast. I've been kind of going back and forth with Carter just a little bit uh, about some different things. So I'll see if I can reel him in, maybe get some help from him and uh, help from my daughter and we'll get that figured out. So as I wrap things up here today, again, an extra special thanks going out to Jim and Pat. A big thanks going out to my patrons on Patreon. And of course, I got to say thanks to Tim at Pro Plates. And the, the biggest thanks to everyone is to all my listeners. I appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks for uh, you know smashing that like button, telling all your friends about the podcast. Keep on doing what you're doing. I'll keep on doing what I'm doing. And we'll talk to you guys next week right here on Off the Groove. <laughs>